0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate.
1: And that's a nice thought. Anyway, this is David Esau. This is The C86 Show. This is a, another special as I've delved into some of my archives to find various interviews. This is with Patrick Myers, the lead singer of... Killer Queen. Uh, this is an interview I did several years ago, and um, to be honest, it was one of my nice, more enjoyable ones. Well, not more, but it was a good interview, and I thought, let's just archive it. So I'm um, going to, um, yes, I'm just going to unedit it and lay it down on the line, just for you, dear listener. But to um, get the party on the ro- road, or get the ball rolling, as we like to say in cliché land, I think we should play a track by Queen and then the interview this is going to be he says looking down oh yes of course Killer Queen so obvious
0: she keeps some always shawndle in a pretty cabinet let be cake she says just like Marie Antoinette a building a remedy for Christophe Kennedy at a time an invitation you can't take care A killer queen, got body gelatin, dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed to blow your mind. recommended at the price, insatiable and appetite. Wanna try? To avoid complications, she never. Same address, in conversation. She spoke just like a Baroness. Middleman, China, and down to she a kida. I've been again incidentally she's that way. Queen, you came naturally from Paris. Naturally. Because she couldn't care less, mysterious and precise. She's a killer, queen, gunfight, a dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed to blow your temporarily out of action, temporarily out of time, That's absolutely wild, she's mad to get you, she's, she's a, a, a killer, cream, gun-body gelatine, dynamite with a laser beam, galaxy oh, to oh, blow your mind, anytime, you recommend another price, insatiable and appetite, wanna try
1: Indeed, power chords all the way. That is Queen with a track titled Killer Queen. Hello, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 show and this is a special because um, I've been delving into the archives and this is an interview I did with the lead singer, Patrick Myers, who is front-in Killer Queen. This is the interview and this is the first part and the only part, in fact, because uh, we're just going to play the whole thing. Um, and we've been chatting, as people do, and then I began by asking a little bit about how the band got together and formed and this was Patrick's reply. Patrick tell us more.
2: We were uh, students back in 1991. I just left home and went to university um, and met up with the you know the, what became my new friends over there and we all had sort of similar interests, uh, similar musical interests certainly and Queen was very much uh, in there and uh, to, to our absolute devastation. and uh, and horror we Freddie suddenly died uh, within about two or three months of us leaving or arriving at Halls so we were just in a complete state of shock um, and we started playing the music in the Halls of Residence there was an old piano there it was a big echoey hall Um, I used to sort of nip up and down the stairs singing, which was great for sort of like echo and reverb and things so um, we that's how the music started to come together and then we thought well we'd seen an act like Bjorn again uh, playing we thought well you know people can do these sort of things. It might be nice to do a Queen tribute, but we didn't really think about doing it for any long time. It was only going to be um, a, 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 something that would last maybe a few shows and then that would be it. It was, it was very much a sort of thing that we would do as, a, as, a, as, a, as our sort of gesture and tribute to Queen um, for our own benefit, really. We thought, we thought we'd donate some money to uh, Mercury Phoenix Trust, which we did. We thought we might, you know, on the off-chance, get invited to a few posh parties, which would be a bonus. <laughs> uh, and... Um, that was it really we didn't see but of course once you start uh, embark on this sort of thing you realise what an enormous amount of work it is so actually from from those first sort of uh, thoughts it took about two and a half years to actually put our first show on because it just took so long to sort of get everything right because we thought we can't do it you know uh, badly badly, or you can't sort of you know half cocked or whatever you've got it you've got to really go uh, you know and, and do your homework and get it good and the more the more you looked into it you more the more work you realized you had to do it. so it became a sort of labor of love and we finally put on a show and um we, we were sort of handed a stroke of luck um but yulu the London union oh, um, yes. They'd lost their entertainment license. They'd fallen foul of Camden Council. So the only thing that they, they couldn't put on a legit band, they had to put on, but a, they couldn't stop a, a student band from going on um, because it was a student or the residence, uh, but you couldn't have a pro band. So someone informed uh, the entertainment officer there that, that hey, there's this guy, uh, he's performing he's this, this Queen tribute. And he you know, look at these photographs. And he saw the photographs of us sort of I mean, costumes that we'd sort of put together. And uh, he said, yeah, 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 yeah. let's, let's put those on. So untested. <laughs> <laughs> we got given the headline slot at the Yulu Ball, um, and it was our first ever show. Fantastic. Um So it was a real baptism of fire. Um, and that was it. We sort of played in front of a 1,000 people. Our first gig was headlining um, in front of a 1,000 people, um, all going crazy. I still got a little VHS of it somewhere. And um, it was just an extraordinary night. And that whole performance and in sharing those songs with an audience um, is a very, very... Uh, Energizing and addictive process. So what 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 was originally going to be just a few handful of shows suddenly became a whole tour of student unions, and then that quickly uh, steered itself towards the West End, and we did a West End run, the first ever tribute show at all uh, to hit the West End. Uh, we did a residency there, and first Queen show. Uh, we were there. We I think we beat We Will Rock You to, to the West End by about five years or something. um So yeah, and then the world started sort of sitting up, and we start getting offered. Um, arenas um which a few years down the road from this and uh we were playing the same places that queen played uh, and shot some of their big stadium videos at and uh it was just absolutely surreal um <laughs> and selling selling the shows out you know as well um so it was uh, and, and then america started to get, get interested and it's taken a while to get that uh, uh organized but uh we've just been over there and played red rocks arena where you two did their unforgettable fire dvd and uh uh, I think Dolly Parton was playing the night after we were. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so it's been an extraordinary, extraordinary journey.
1: Because Queen never really broke America that big, did they? They weren't like Led Zeppelin or the Who, all sort of. Um, well, actually, U2. no.
2: That's it's not not quite correct there. Actually, Queen Queen um, uh, really started to break America about '76, um, and then by the time they'd released '75, uh, '76, um, by the time they released. Um, Another one, Dust. They were the biggest band on the planet. I mean, they were all over. That, that another one, Dust, crazy little thing. I love that album, The Game. Yeah. Um, and Michael Jackson were turning up to all their shows. They were absolutely phenomenally huge. And then the greatest hits one that followed straight after that, and Under Pressure. Queen were, were 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 gold dust in America at that point. Right. I think what you're thinking of is the the latter half of the uh, the, the the later parts of the 80s, from about 83 onwards. There was some kind of problem with Queen and radio play. I'm not quite sure how it works, but um, there was some some uh, problem that 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 eventually effectively meant that uh, they stopped playing Queen on American radio.
1: Okay.
2: Um, yeah. No. I just. So I can... just I yeah. So so that late, later period of Queen all that stuff from Radio Gaga onwards barely dented the charts, and it was only just when they sort of re-signed a deal just before Freddie died with Hollywood Records that their last album, with while Freddie was alive at least. Um, suddenly sort of gained traction again and then wayne's world um reintroduced them to a, a sort of new generation and then obviously subsequently you know freddie died and that sealed the sort of canon of queen work and that that got reissued in america and and so when we went over there we just didn't know which songs would be would have traction with an audience which songs would we you know we'd have to whether we'd have to steer just towards the 70s stuff or whether 80s stuff has actually over the period of time become as well known
1: yeah of course. And, and
2: what we've discovered is yeah i mean i think there was i think one song a kind of magic we we pulled from the set because it, it didn't seem to communicate with the audience that well but everything else uh that we did songs like days of our lives show must go on uh radio Gaga, want to break free or, or real and who wants to live forever some real classics from their from their 80s uh oh, period absolutely set the place alight so it was um i think over time it's become that whole period of queen not uh getting the actual hits at the time um, has become almost irrelevant. I mean, songs take on a life of their own beyond their sort of yeah, charts. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Sure. Especially if they appear in, you know, television commercials and things yeah,
2: like that. Yeah, yeah, all the syndication and because, stuff gets Because my introduction
1: in. to Queen was kind of when my brother, who was five years older me, I mean, he bought News of the World. and
2: uh, Oh, what a brilliant album, that is.
1: <laughs> and that sort of, again, you know, they weren't, I'm not sure if they were that much about in the charts. They might have been just here and there a bit but it wasn't it was you know i was about 10 at the time so i sort of played this and was a bit sort of mesmerized because it starts with you know we will rock you you know we are the champions yeah. and then just keeps on and on you know and it is it's it's like the
2: greatest hits album actually it's got such strong songs on it yeah
1: and and so one was kind of captivated by it and then obviously it was quite interesting because going back to what you were saying earlier about sort of getting queen music together because i know friends who are musicians in amateur bands and mm. it's like oh yeah we'll do some queen numbers and then they sort of go Actually, they're really difficult. <laughs> they're not, yeah, <laughs> even the
2: simplest sounding songs. This is why people, when they do Queen covers, only tend to do another one bites the dust. Because <laughs> yeah, so it it it's oh, crazy. That got have, they oh, "What a at the even the simplest of songs have got some fiendishly difficult parts in." So that was. Um, that,
1: so I find you know because I'm not a musician, but I find that quite interesting. But the other thing is that hmm. what I'm always been amazed by, and I kind of have seen lots of bands over the decades, is this this Freddie basically. What makes him probably the greatest front man alongside say you know Mick Jagger probably Michael Jackson you know what why was he so what was it about Freddie that had that ability to have 80,000 people doing exactly what you want in the palm yeah. of your hand and it's and it's really yeah. hard to try and break it down because you know he, he just was amazing
2: wasn't he? he? He was amazing he was electric to look at um, and he, some people when they're some people just uh, com- uh, com- completely act as conductors uh, for music, as, as as lightning rods for every emotion. And and, and 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 I think Freddie was that. Just look at it. The, the 15 minutes as he threw himself around the Wembley at, at Live Aid.
1: Well, actually, it was it's I... like
2: a masterclass of 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 of, of frontman because they weren't all Queen fans in the audience there. Mm-hmm. They they come to see you too. They would come to see uh, you know all the other guys playing you know, and. Uh, but but the moment Freddie walked on stage, everyone in that stadium was a Queen fan, whether they liked Queen or not. Every hand went up before they went in. As soon as Radio Gaga started, they just did it. There's something electrically magnetic about Freddie, and you you, you can see the music and the, him communicating that um, through to his fingertips, you know. And there's such a there's such a joie de vivre about his performance. Well, and, it, and, yes, well.
1: I was just going to say it was quite interesting because I was at I was at Live Aid that um that year oh, in 86 wow. and I was going through that anti oh, yeah. anti Queen period because they'd played Sun City and it was all about apartheid. Yeah, so, there was
2: quite an enemy backlash against them. At yeah, the
1: time. so I was a real enemy John Peel, you know, we don't like, you know, people like Queen yeah, and yeah, Paul so, yeah, yeah. and anybody who played Sun City and I was in the audience and I thought oh Queen I'm not going to like them because I'd sort of a friend just said, "Oh, do you want to go to this gig?" and it was like, "Yeah, that looks quite a good number." So you kind um, of
2: prejudge them before, so, before you So,
1: yeah, did, and huh? also I didn't really think much of it. I just looked and thought, you know, I was obsessed with David Bowie and I thought, oh, The Who were playing and all these other bands. It'll be a nice day. I didn't really look at it as a, a big no. cult, a cultural thing at the time. Um, no. And I mean, you two were really disappointed. David Bowie was fantastic and most of it was brilliant. But again... Oh, you, know, you
2: two were disappointed, were
1: they? Yeah, because because if you see the video or the I film,
2: spent the entire time trying to get the girl on
1: stage. He's He's at the front just kind of being a bit sort of you know just kind of having this interaction with this young girl at the front of the stage and and not really playing the songs whereas queen came on didn't they and they and i think their career was almost at, at the crossroads it was like you've got to pull this off because they they were sort of norman nomates at 86 and they pulled it off didn't they and it they yeah
2: were, uh, i think it was 85 that was at the concert was but yeah i think it was uh, uh yeah you're right i think you're absolutely right um they, they they had taken a lot of flack it was a pretty poor decision i think to play so even though they, they played to a mixed audience, you know, there's qualifications that you can, and caveats you can throw in in their defence, but <laughs> even so, it was a questionable decision, which I think they've all come to sort of, you yes. know, uh, acknowledge in, in later years. But, um, and also Freddie was sort of flirting with the solo career. Freddie, you know, was possibly even aware of um, things not being quite, you know, uh, tickety do health-wise, even by that early stage. Um, not clear but um, it's uh, so it was very much a difficult time do we split up do we are, are we still viable do we have you know uh, they were having the problems with America at the time and uh, I don't know it, it was very much a, a, a testing uh, for them as a brand um, and what was interesting was it, 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 it was good for them in so many ways and as much as that they, they it was a daytime show so they had no lights there was no massive lighting rig to hide behind there was no uh spandex to jump into it had to they had to they had to sort of reinvent themselves as something slightly more uh, uh sort of you know the the opposite of people's expectations the expectations of the queen Freddie came on in jeans and a singlet um there was no you know in, in, in massively elaborate natasha Coroff creation or yes, or
0: that's anything right. like
2: that it was it was just you know very very you know back to basics there so were you just saw four musicians. Uh, wearing quite casual clothes, strolling onto a stage on a summer's afternoon and blowing the world away. Absolutely. Um,
1: And also, that was
2: just, and it just, it completely pulled away all the cobwebs and the preconceptions about Queen. And you just saw them for what they were, which is deeply talented musicians, deeply talented performers and deeply talented writers. And it was such a breathtaking combination of talent uh, in such a, Blindingly furious uh, light. That it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, they deserved all the acclamation. I think uh, yeah. I thought they were absolutely stunning. Well, they
1: were stunning. And the one thing that sort of came off, because they did most of their conventional songs, the three, four-minute you know, rock songs, but then they did Bohemian Rhapsody. And obviously, you always think, well, that's just being constructed in the studio, a bit like you know bands like Pink Floyd, who have had a producer yeah. who have stuck it all together, and they spent sort of three years doing it with you know four different producers, including Brian Eno. Whereas actually, they managed to sort of pull off Bohemian Rhapsody. Which is one of the most complex songs. Well, they
2: kind of they they did, but they they only they opened with "Being Rhapsody," if I remember rightly, and they sort of stopped just before because they had fifteen minutes. What they cleverly did was they edited it. So as soon as it moved into um, the guitar solo and the leading into the opera bit. Suddenly, Radio Gaga started. Right. They, sort of, they circumvented uh, that sort of like nightmare, it because they normally left the stage when that opera bit happened. But they just opened with their biggest hit that everybody. What they cleverly did was, some people would try new material, some people would try their, their unreleased record. Um, Queen just thought, look, give them a global jukebox, and they really got that. They understood it. Yes. So they opened with their their, their the biggest hit they had uh, worldwide. Um, went straight into their latest biggest hit, which was Radio Gaga. Um, Hammer the Falls Kick Get them Going, uh, Crazy Little Think we'll Love, also massive hit worldwide. Quickly into Wheel Rocky, we are a champions your uncle, thank you and good afternoon. Absolutely. You know? And it was, it was all over. Well, um, it was quite
1: interesting you mentioned that because I think most of the artists said, yeah, let's just give them the hits. And there was people who had to do fillers like uh, Elvis Costello just had to say, you know, go and just do a number for five minutes while we... Mess.
2: Yeah, reading, but, reading the lyrics off the back of his hand. But, yeah.
1: but but which was quite sweet, you know. And but they I like that.
2: It was one of my uh, memorable bits, actually. I like Yeah,
1: and it was a bit like, kind oh, just push you out and do all you need is love, Elvis, while we sort of mess around backstage. But then you had um, Adam Ant, who really got it completely wrong. It was a bit like... Yeah,
2: no, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I feel sorry, sorry for him because everyone kind of cites him as the, the guy who got it wrong we yes. got it right and then there was Adamant who got it really wrong <laughs> that know. kind of was like the end of his career and it, it, was, was, uh, it was that's very very sad because he was such a I mean, I'm a massive Adam Mount fan. I think he was such a creative force and uh, he didn't really have the support of a whole band behind him. He he, he did all his own choreography. He was very similar to Freddie In Men's well. He was very hands-on and controlled. He, he he stylishly designed all his costumes. He designed every frame of his videos. He did the whole thing himself and was carrying the whole thing himself. And then it all came crashing around, around him. But I thought, oh, the poor chap.
1: I know. Um, because I think he looked at it as he was probably going on Wogan to do a sort of like, I'll just plug my new album. It's like, no, you're not. You're going on this kind of huge... This is, yeah, What well, he was
2: trying to distance himself. He was at a difficult time, really, because he was trying to distance himself <laughs> from the hands. Yes. So he didn't want to do great hits. He wanted to show look, I'm a solo artist. But he was not quite established enough of it to do that. <laughs> so it all backfired somewhat. Whereas Queen were kind of old hands. Um, they they saw they saw an opportunity for what it was. And they knew how to play the opportunity perfectly. Well, um, as I say, you know when you see, there's something um about Freddie's performances uh, in a very positive way. You know when you, you're in the park and you see just a delightfully happy dog just jumping around and having a great time? You can't help but watch it. You can't help but smile because you can see just the sheer happy life force at work. And I think with Freddie, it's something very, very similar. So as well as all the talent and the beautiful voice, there's such an extraordinary potent life force just on stage in front of you, and it draws you in the same way that any anything that positive um, does draw you. It pulls you towards it, and it makes you want to um, be a part of it. Yes. And I think Freddie Fred was uh, had, was served by he, he wrote extraordinary songs. himself he was served by some excellent songwriters in his band, Brian Roger, and uh, um, and John all all wrote amazing songs. And so they they all they all I mean a lot of that stuff. I want to break free. I want it all. It's quite you know, it's quite demonstrative, it's quite, it's quite bold. Um, and it seeks and Freddie could, could t- turn that energy and channel it through those songs and create something very alchemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, because obviously as, as the years go by, and, and obviously this year has been particularly strange with so many people dying, do you find that with your audience that people are getting more passionate for the Queen material? Because really you are the people who are going to be holding the baton of these bands and this music.
2: We get a lot of people thanking us. Uh, a lot of emails um, thanking us because a lot of people couldn't get to see a Queen concert.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um,
2: in, in this style, you can still see Queen concerts, I hasten to add, because they're still touring and they are, are still amazing and they've got the, the, the most extraordinary vocals on the planet they're singing for the of Lambert. Um, and I've seen them, it and it's great um, but obviously it's it can never be the same uh, as you know the Queen as they were in their original incarnation and I think people like and I, 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 I count myself in this number I, I wanted to go to a Queen concert with Freddie and you can't yeah. and you obviously can't uh, you know, presume to 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 you know, you're 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 treading very you know, where you know in, in in these enormously you know revered footsteps. But so uh, you, you're aware of the you know that sort of you know that distance. But at the same time, you're trying to, your mission statement. If you're going to do this at all, is to try and make people feel that they've been to a Queen concert when they haven't. You know, they've been to a killer Queen concert. And we get emails saying just that. And that for me is like absolutely like old it's it's i'm so pleased that when we get these emails through from people saying i never went to a queen concert i never thought i'd be able to now i feel like i have
1: yeah
2: um, and that to me is great i mean that is you know that is uh, it's a, a big sigh of relief as well because <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to get it right you so desperately want to get it right so you you know you, you constantly do vocal training you constantly do you know uh, costume adaptations and all sorts of stuff to try and keep the thing you know, on those on those rails, but um, so yeah, it's it, people do have a very passionate connection with the music, and they do have a passionate need um to experience the music in in a certain way they want they want the context as well as the songs i think
1: fantastic well look we're really looking forward to it and i noticed that the uh the one in norwich is nearly sold out now actually isn't it so I think well, it is
2: sold out actually yeah i think it's um i don't think i'm not sure if there's anything left Blimey. Well. there might be a few There, there might be. A be few.
1: there's always a few but anyway look patrick well thank you ever so much i'm really looking forward to it. i saw you last time when you came and i was kind of blown away mainly because you've also got the moves as well haven't you
2: Ah right, well yeah, I mean it's 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 good. For, it's just the thing is, it's just a real. Uh, people sort of occasionally ask me, "Oh God, you've been doing this how many years?" You know, it's decades, running into decades now. You know, so it's uh, and they go, "Surely you must be tired of it." And um, the simple answer is no. <laughs> No, it's it's really good fun. Like I mean, you can't pretend that touring doesn't tire you. Touring absolutely is exhausting, and I'm I'm absolutely still utterly jet lagged from America. Now I'm really uh, sort of uh, slightly out there. But um, so yes, the touring is exhausting, but the performances, um, by and large, unless you're you know. Uh, whatever strange reasons that, that you know that you're 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 unwell or something. To, the yeah, performing of the show is uh, just a delight. It's 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 such it's such a positive um, exchange. So yes, the movements are all uh, to do with that. Really, it's 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 just it's just it's a sense of um, you know like yeah, just sort of freedom on stage, but with, within this sort of character that's. That's Freddie Mercury. It's, it's 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 great, and then the audience is so warm and receptive, and they people want to have a good time. Yes. People don't buy tickets because they want to have a bad time. No. They buy tickets because they want to have a good time. So that your job as a show is to let them know as soon as possible. Yeah, you, you can have a good time, and we're going to make that happen, and we're going to do it together. Yeah. And uh, and and. Um, whether you you see people you know with their arms folded before you go on stage, and you you know that there's a certain mm, okay, come on, prove yourselves, kids. <laughs> let's, let's see what you guys have got. And you you know you so you, you do have to sort of like acknowledge that, but you just basically just you can't let that get inside your head. What you have to do is just sort of say, look, we're here to have a good time. We're all here. We're all in one room, um, and let's let's make this room come alive. And uh, and and that's what that's what we want to do, and that's what we try to do. And. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a privilege I think to, to be able to do it, to, to be in a situation where you've got this treasure trove of songs, you've got these amazing costumes, and you've got this. Uh, I think you know these songs become so important in people's lives that they're they're, they're 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 not just the backdrop to people's lives, they're the fabric. You know people you know people have you know lived, died, have children, and you know everything in between with these songs. It's it, it means a lot, and and they're they're songs of joy, but they're also songs of Completely sad songs, you know, and like Days of Our Lives. or who wants to live forever? What shame yes. There's, there's a, there's a whole uh, range of emotion, um, just like life, uh, in, in these songs. That um, it, it, it's far too easy to characterise Queen as purely bombastic, or you know, or, or, or just outrageous, or this, or any other. I don't know. There's, there's a whole load of sort of um, adjectives you can use that get very overused. I think, but, but Queen actually, that when you look at the, depth to songwriting and the lyrics. Um, they're um, they're just extraordinary. Um, and I, th- I think, um, I mean, I, We Were Rocky was a um, fantastically successful musical. Very funny. But I think there's, 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 there's another musical in those. There's an other several musicals in those in those songs because the, the actual genuine emotional range of those songs is uh, something like, songs like It's a Hard Life, beautiful, beautiful lyrics, which is, it's, 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 a, it's a man torn apart. Mm. And, and um, uh, it's, it's almost neglected as a song, but there's, there's so much emotional sweep yeah i um, so it's 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 a delight to do and it's uh I, i'm just i just i i, I just, i'm still scratching my head as what on earth i'll do when this this truck finally comes to a stop well, it's interesting
1: but, you said that because because earlier you were sort of talking about you know people talking about yeah you're still doing that and stuff like that but i often you know which reminded me when journalists for some some unknown journalist or just the journalists generally um, just talk about the Who yeah, not the Who the, well, the Who plus the Rolling Stones they always like to knock the Rolling Stones but but I went to the Sarchi and Sarchi exhibition of the Rolling Stones um, last week and I just yeah. thought oh my god what else are you going to do when you get to 72 you know you're going to sit at home and I don't know go to B&Q or you're going to say oh let's do another world tour and have this kind of world around us one more time and obviously you think let's do this one more time and see how it goes because yeah, I mean, you, you get, get that buzz don't you and you get those songs and you have that industry around you and I suppose with the Stones it must be quite amazing because you do have probably a kind of a circus but you know at the same time you you know when you walk out onto that stage and you play those numbers you must think well this is better than being at home wondering what I should do next or reminiscing about the past.
2: You know, you know uh, I, I've no idea I think there's a certain age with be bands because you're sort of doing the concert that people couldn't see so I think if I hobbled on stage and I was twice the age as Freddie Mercury was when he toured we <laughs> would quite be fulfilling the same mission statement but um all of this has been a surprise for me um you know obviously once we've we've worked very very hard at it so it's not like a sort of an absent-minded surprise (laughs) you know we have invested our whole lives in it really um but having said that this wasn't when i left home um to go to those sorts of residents however many years ago now this wasn't on my agenda at all i mean i just it wasn't um in fact i thought you know i wasn't sure about the whole thing about tributes i thought you know that was certainly something for myself to do i thought no no no, i, I want to be you know creative on my own terms i don't want to be purely you know and, I was, I, and so I, you know i was I was a little bit uh, kind of in, very much in two minds about well you know whether tributes are a good idea per se at all but um so really you know i was proved when sort of wrong when i did the first i was happy to do for those shows but when we did that first show i suddenly realized the power um, yeah. of these songs and, and, and in some ways you, know, you just have to sort of get out of the way in terms of your own ego um, you, you just let the music do the work yeah. um, and, and, and then you realise what amazing music it is You've always it, it's very different when you, when you go inside a song from a performance point of view as when, to when you just listen to it as, a, uh, as, 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 as someone who loves music you suddenly realise you know, the nuts and bolts of how this thing was put together and you, you, you get a massively deep appreciation of the craftsmanship and skill. Um, Not just in terms of singing and playing, but just in writing. So, yeah... um... Well, I, I think, uh, but, but going
1: back about that sort of going on stage, I suppose Mick Jagger's had that all his life and now he's still 72, and now he's 72. And and obviously he's he's kind of, you know, there's no one in front of Mick Jagger apart from blues guys, I suppose. So he just thinks, well, why should I let someone else tell me what I should or shouldn't do? And I can walk on stage and still do my bit, so I'll just keep doing it until one day I go. I, really- I,
2: I think if there was no demand you know, you wouldn't see him for dust. No, of um, course. And but... you know, I think Queens say the same thing. They, they, now when they're touring with um, Adam, they see, you know, so long as it's at a certain level, yeah, doesn't dip below that, then of course do it, you know, honestly, provided, you know, the knees let you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so
1: just one last question. Do you do Under Pressure then? We do. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was thinking of David Bowie there, and thinking, oh yes, that was one of the few times that Bowie collaborated that was John Lennon as well with um, Young Americans but obviously
2: that's right he did fame, fame with John Lennon and, oh fame
1: uh, god I was so close <laughs> yeah
2: I think it, was fame. it was on the Young Americans album it so was yeah or was sorry. it Golden years I can't remember yeah that was all the fame. no album. he
1: did fame it was fame actually he no no it. yeah I was
2: trying to remember the album name though. yeah it was um, Young, Young Americans American. yeah yeah no he did fame with that and they did uh, and then Freddie obviously had his duet with Montserrat by uh, the whole album of songs yeah uh, but Queen actually you know that was their I think that was their only proper duet well i mean they've done stuff subsequently they've released some michael jackson stuff from the vaults yes which uh, put their thing on but um yeah that uh, track with david bowie was was really excellent and sounds really fresh yeah, if you hear it today that amazingly sparse but sort of unforgettable bass riff um that you know that, that the whole arrangement was it, it sounds like it could have as i say recorded yesterday it, it, it's it's so good um and it's it's a very original song it doesn't really have a chorus no um it doesn't really it really have a fixed verse it's it's just this building sort of like uh tumult of 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 talent <laughs> that explodes and you know and, and spars off each other um and it's uh quite unique i think as a song really
1: well i've heard it used on sort of various choirs as well you know, on various television programmes where they'll get, I don't know, there was a guy called Gareth, somebody who was doing a choir project, and he got, oh, yeah. some, he got someone from, I don't know, some water company to sing a song which was going to reflect about how they were feeling with the company that they were working for. You know, it was one of those competitions where they had various yeah. companies, and they did Under Pressure, it was one, one of them, one week. And it was, again, it was all about the lyrics, you know, you think, oh, yes, when you break the lyrics down, you think, oh, yes, they have another meaning, don't they, so... It's quite interesting, you know. When you yeah, no,
2: they do. There is quite a I mean, David Bowie was quite good at um, creating slightly off-center lyrics that sort of uh, pulled you. Uh, that didn't, you know, they were slightly oblique in their approach, so that they they leave room to sort of breathe and sort of put your own context over. Um, and I think "Under Pressure" was very much one of those. Uh, yeah, it's phrases that create an effect that add to a that allude to rather than necessarily describe and um and it's um yeah yeah, yeah. i think uh, it's often the mark of a good song right uh for a good song that you know you you, you hear the melody you think of the tune you hear the tune uh, you think of the lyrics you hear the, the the lyrics you think of the tune but also you 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 write your own interpretation that's why i mean freddie was very wary of saying this song is about this or this song is about that because yeah. he knows he, we've all we, we're all lovers of pop music you know and every pop star that's ever been loves pop music uh you know i can't speak for millie Vanilli, but um almost (laughs) everyone else you know so we've all sat in our bedrooms and we've all you know written our own versions of a song in our head and 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 think you know and think even if you mishear lyrics a misheard lyric means as much to you as as the actual lyric so you know you've got to let you know let space for you 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 know they create the song and then you you listen to the song and that place in the middle (laughs) (laughs) What you feel about the song is the song, you know, Um, and, you know, Queen and David Burrow were such a great mix for creating exactly that.
1: Absolutely. And that is the interview that I had with Patrick Myers, lead singer of killer queen. A big thank you for giving me the interview. And um, I do believe that might have been four or even five years ago. Anyway, I have to check. I did several. Um, Anyway, that was one of them. So this has been David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can via Facebook, Twitter, just go to at C86 Show and also Instagram. Don't forget that. And uh, all these shows have been podcasts and you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean and also Mix cloud. Right, that is the end of the show. Thank you for listening, if you still are, which frankly, who knows. But um, I think we're going to play another track by Queen. Oh, I think. Such a tease. Of course we're going to play another track. This is going to be Don't Stop Me Now.
0: Tonight, I'm gonna have a good time I feel alive Star leaping through the sky Like a tiger defying The laws of gravity I'm a racing car Passing by The ball. Don't stop me now. If you wanna have a good time, just give me a call. Don't stop me Cause now. A good time. Don't stop me yes, now. a good time. I don't wanna stop at all. Yeah. I'm a rocket ship on my way to Mars on a collision course.